Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of AYC. It's because when you're here, you're family. Your family. It's a family picture. We're talking about a family picture. Bring your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. Gather around the table, eat the broccoli stool salad from <laughs> Trader Joe's. <laughs> Uh, that's right. We're finally uh, getting to the task of talking about a very special movie franchise, one that we wanted to do for a long time and one that the listeners and our friends alike have wanted us to touch, and that's the Fast and Furious franchise. Woo, 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 woo! So it, much like the Star Wars Files in the past, we'll be going down and talking about each of the Fast and Furious movies in turn on a monthly basis. So we have a nice in-depth discussion about these critical cinema <laughs> landmarks. Yes. And so, it, it, this, will, this will just be a very fun episode, of course. It, it won't quite be up to our essential viewing uh, code, or maybe it will be. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But it will definitely be a lot of fun. This is, because like you said, this is a series that we've been really wanting to touch. And I want, we want to get started uh, and asking you a question, Jonathan. What has been your experience with The Fast and Furious? Uh, very limited. Um I remember seeing this movie around the time it came out. It was like a year or two after it came out, like on TV or something. And this was a movie like me and my dad. Well, it was like one of the handful of movies we sort of bonded over. But I haven't seen it since then, and I have not seen any of the sequels. I, I know sort of my perception of it being sort of the pretentious film fan that I am, just being kind of, I guess, unjustly critical of the whole thing, you know, from an outside looking in and just being like, oh, those movies are stupid. And they are. I'm not going to lie. But I have to say, watching this movie, I just had a fucking blast. Even though I wouldn't say it's a good movie by, like, a, quote, objective standard. But God, is it fun. And uh, that that's the big thing is, like, a movie doesn't have to be good in a traditional sense to be worth your time and worth enjoying. Of course, what everybody considers like good, bad, or like fun, bad, is very subjective. Yeah, when I say like an objective standard, I, that is in big, heavy air quotes. This was something I was thinking on today because we watched the movie last night. Is it's not this enjoyment you get out of watching, say, like The Room, which is a so bad it's good movie. This is this movie has a genuine sincerity about it that it's infectious, and I don't know what it is. It's this weird, intangible quality that if this like continues through the rest of the series, which you know we'll eventually get to, it it makes sense why this franchise of all of them has stuck around and is Universal's most pro- profitable franchise. It's like, you know, sort of like the uh, the classic monsters from the Universal Studios days. It's probably one of their most, like, long-lived and, like, familiar and beloved series. It, although it is, it, I feel like that may be the first time those two concepts have been in the same sentence together. <laughs> but you're welcome for that, AYCH uh, breaking new ground. But... It, it, it's just a lot of fun, and to your point, uh, it's sort of a uh, on the subject of bonding and family bonding. Family, because uh, my sister and I, she, my sister is a big fan of, the, of this series, and this is something that we watch together. And so, and, is that how you came to it originally? Um, I, I guess in sort of the, the later installments, there, there are some that kind of sort of just happened to fall into. 
I think I remember seeing this vaguely on TV shortly after it was released, but that's been uh, years now because uh, this month is the 19th anniversary of the original film's release. Can you believe that this has been going on for nearly 20 years? Yeah, we just had to prematurely ejaculate before the 20th anniversary. <laughs> Because, well, uh, like we said, this since this is a you know just a tangent, we are building up to uh, exploring all the movies, but we have the structure to where by the time the quote final installment of this series, as we know it, will come out, it will be when Fast and Furious Nine comes out, all coming out, culminating the next April, so which would you know be the year of the twentieth anniversary. Yeah, but going back to my original point, yes, is something my sister and I kind of bond. She's I remember uh, I got her a DVD set of back when it was just the seven movies, and we watched through some of them. I think that we because we started on number four, strangely enough, and then we uh, we kind of fit through. I remember seeing like Fast Five on like some basic cable network, and just like and just losing my shit of how crazy it gets. Cause I, no spoilers, but you're in for a ride, pun intended, Johnson. Hell yes! I, I'm at, like when when you first brought it up, like I said, I was judgmental about this series for the longest time and, but like after watching this movie i am genuinely no like no irony excited to see where this fucking ride goes so and i think it's, it's time that we, we get into the movie proper so like we said this came out uh june 22nd 2001 uh and i it's very indicative of the time it was made would you not say that's correct oh yes just from like the the sort of post-processing filter over everything. It just has this weird early, late 90s, early 2000s feel. From everything from the font to just, as we'll get into the music, that was such a fucking nostalgic throwback. Yeah, and, and like the look and like the fashion because, man, it's just, it's a time capsule of like this singular, like this like aesthetically singular era in like American pop culture because there's, there's nothing that looks quite like late 90s into the early 2000s that's been before or since. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's one of those select eras that is aged so hard and so poorly but you can't help but just like give it a gold star for trying like it, 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 it's just so ridiculous you just have to spawn this for and i feel like that's something that is kind of needed to enjoy the franchise you have to embrace just how sincerely silly it is oh yeah like i, I like this one definitely feels like it, it's trying to be serious mm-hmm. But, like, at least just from my perception of how the later installments go, they definitely realize, like, what they're doing and realize how fucking absurd it gets. So, they, there's definitely, a, after a while, they lean into it, but I still feel like they're having fun with it. It doesn't feel, at least from what I've seen, like, it's got to, like, you know, they're going through the numbers, they're just being cynical. Like, they're just like, let's just see how balls the walls we can get. But we have to, we have to get to that point because... Mm-hmm. It's it's so funny how small stakes the first movie is because literally the whole plot is kicked off by this mysterious group of auto bandits swiping a shipment of TVs and DVD players from the back of a semi truck. Yeah, and, and and throughout the movie they they keep the FBI and the police department. Uh, what's his name? Brian, the guy Paul, Paul Walker. Paul Walker's character, Brian O'Connor. Yeah. 
the the departments he's he's working for they they keep emphasizing these fucking truckers the entire fucking movie like if they don't stop this there's going to be a fucking trucker uprising yeah what was I thought was so crazy cuz like how dangerous are truckers that you know if they don't squash this beef that the truckers will you know get their guns get their piss jugs and just riot <laughs> i just don't get it and, and but like it's also cause for concern because every truck, like, semi-truck they rob, the dude has a fucking sawed-off shotgun. And he, like, it's like, what the literal fuck? The truckers are armed and dangerous, and you, you do well to keep that in mind. Good God. It's just a mess. Like, I don't... It's, it's so funny. And so we, we have a Paul Walker character, undercover cop. He's working... Um, to to get into the the, biz, the business to figure out who's doing the auto thefts and he, yeah and he, and he works at a a high end auto parts store and lives there apparently yeah and, and like that that's one of the aspects of the movie I remember I remembered from when I watched it you know back in the day but I was surprised at how late in the movie they actually reveal that it's like a good like thirty forty five minutes in. Because when he goes back behind the door to like wash his face, you think like, "Oh, that's just like a bathroom." And then like, no, he's living there somehow. Yeah, there's like you see a cot in the corner, and I was like, "Is that his bed? Like, who the fuck's staying in this bathroom?" And then it's like, "Oh shit!" But yeah, they like the whole undercover cop thing doesn't get introduced until way later in the movie, which I mean, not too late. I mean, it's still the first act, but I feel like that would. In, in a lot of movies, that would sort of be, you know, information you would get fairly early on. Because like we said, he's trying to in, in, uh, involve himself with this notorious street gang, which is the uh, Toretto family. Family! And so he goes to this, you know, this this car garage, high-end, that has like a working relationship with the car store he works for. Uh, homeboy Brian saunters up to the garage that's like part grocery store too, I guess? Yeah, it's weird. And, like, Paul Walker is in, like, his early 2000 best, like, bleach blonde, like, top uh, ramen haircut, like, Jay Disson Timberlake-looking guy. Oh, yeah, there, there's one guy, I think it's in, what? what's the Asian guy's gang, the Tran gang or something like that? Yeah, the, uh, the uh, I guess the triad, the, the Asian-American triad. Yeah. The, Johnny what, Tran. Yeah, one of, I think it's the, his, like, right-hand man has, like, frosted tips. It's like, you know what you're getting in for when you watch this movie. And just just on that same track, because we have uh, one one of the uh, main guys in the gang, Vince, who is, like, who is living his taint-taught life, because he's, I don't think he has a sleeve in this whole movie. No, and, and at one point, he pulls out that fucking mesh tank top. Because he wears a mesh tank top on top of a camo tank top. What a champ! And then he what a champ! And then he and Brian, because they're like, because they got the hots for the same gal. Well, it's the uh, the patriarch of Toretto's family, uh, Dom, is his his sister, and they get to a big brawl in the street <laughs> over her. And something I thought was funny doing my research is that apparently, uh, Brian's and uh, Vince's actors they had they had a highly choreographed fight for plan for that sequence where they get start scrapping in the street but when time came to film it didn't feel right so they started fighting each other for real oh shit it's kind of like uh the fight between um matthew mcconaughey and oh shit what's his name boy batman 
Christian Bale. Christian Bale in um in the Dragon movie. What movie? Rain of Fire. I had no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Swing and a miss. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So they they get into a scrap and it's as ridiculous as you think. And then Dom comes out. And, and then there's like this whole thing made over a tuna sandwich, which just seems like is that really the lunch you're going to choose to have in like a balmy Southern California day with probably 90% humidity? Yeah, where your balls are sticking to your leg. Like, no, nah, you, you're not going to be eating fucking tuna. That's like that's a recipe for food poisoning, dog. God, and, and, and just like, just this aspect of his character, he just emphasizes no crust. Like, come on, don't be a little bitch. Eat the crust. That threw me, that's just threw me. It's so weird. It, it's so... Uh, because you know those the writers of this movie were just like, hey, this is clever. This is going to give him a personality trait. I, w- I do think it's kind of funny how Paul Walker, through a lot of the movie, is just sort of, what's, what, what's the word, like, beautifully vacant in sort of his expressions. <laughs> You're not wrong. Like, I mean, I don't think he's a bad actor in this movie, like, given the material he's working with. Yeah. But, like, I, I see what you're saying. He is just kind of mannequin-like. He's like, like I'm, I'm just, like, I said that not as a critique of his uh, acting ability. It's just, there, there's definitely moments where, like, people are kind of talking at him or in about him. He's just kind of, like, has, like, this kind of upbeat but vacant look on his face. Like, whatever they said just went one ear and out the other. Yeah, exactly. So uh, after Dom, uh, Vin Diesel shows up with even less sleeves and even bigger arms. He wrenches the two apart, and and Paul Walker starts to ingratiate himself into the gang because uh, there's a big uh, race coming in late at night, and uh, everybody who's anybody's going to be there to get that cash money. Yeah, and just uh, Vin Diesel is definitely the highlight of this movie. I mean, he just. Similar to The Rock just has this charisma where even in a bad movie where he is just bad in it, he's still going to be fun just because of his just big, swolesome Chad <laughs> persona. It's just that weird, swolesome Chad charisma. I, I was, I was going to ask, like, who do you think has more Chad energy? Uh, Vince, the tank top guy, or... Uh, or Vin Diesel, uh, Vin, Vin Diesel's. Oh, here. Vin Diesel, hands down. Okay, because I feel like like the no contests. Because I feel like the tank top guy, he had like a different kind of chat energy that seems like different from Vin Diesel's. Yeah, it, it, he he was uh, he's he's very much like aggressive and like bro, you macking on my girl, bro. Yeah, but also kind not foppish is not the right word, but it, there there is a it's a different type of chadness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, count all the different Chad energies in this movie. <laughs> and you'll get all of them. It's the spectrum of Chad energy. And before we get to the race, just I, I just got a comment on the sexual tension between Dom and Brian. Just their, their like first like gazes at each other. It, it, I'm just saying, I, I, I felt the love in the air tonight. Oh, yeah. like There's so much homoerotic tension in this movie. Like... Between, like, obviously you have your, your main ship, Dom and Brian, but I, I even I was getting, like, some tension between Vince and Brian because they're, they're both fighting <laughs> over the same girl, but, they, but they're but they really interested in each other, too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, 
It's like all, all these repressed gay men are just like they they just want to fight and smooch. Just could I I could just see them like Eiffel Towering me and just be like high five, bro. And then they start making out with each other. Yeah, let me peg you, bro. Wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean. Okay. And so so we get to the race, and within like. I would say less than five minutes. We had like five different licensed songs, like one after the other. After I, the I, other. I know it would like play like five seconds of one and five seconds of the other. And I was like, part of me, it felt like, you know how like you're allowed like 10 seconds of an isolated clip of something for in the realm of fair use. That's sort of what it felt like. But I mean, they had to get the, uh, they have to get the license to, cause these songs are on the, uh, soundtrack of the movie. Some of the songs are on the soundtrack. Some aren't. Oh, so I'm just saying, I, I, well, th- that, that, that might be a reason because I did, I did read that this movie had a fairly small budget. Like some of the cars, uh, they had to rent from like private collectors and, and sort of as, as I was, form of compensation the the car owners would be in the movie as like extras and like one of the cars they literally had to borrow from like a a crew member oh wow because like they they were promised a certain budget and that kind of got cut down yeah so they're kind of like making do with what 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 they could get so i I thought that was kind of funny so maybe they could only they played exactly as much time as they had for the licenses you get 10 seconds that's why you just have like shuffle pick on these like songs but uh, like and part of it kind of felt to use big fancy pretentious film critic word of diegetic meaning that it's in the universe of the movie so like the like in diegesis that's what it refers to what's in the universe in the movie and what's outside the universe most common example being like the soundtrack is it is it like the characters actually listening to what the movie what's in the 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 music that's playing or is it outside the movie to enhance the feeling Mm -hmm. and a lot of it kind of felt more diegetic because it was all like it always changed when a new character would enter or or there's like a a a camera cut to like i guess it's like the music's playing from the cars yeah but but like i I, but it's also like played in a non-diegetic way like similar to a soundtrack would be yeah because usually in like diegetic music there it's like off in the distance and like, and and at this point, like if all these songs are playing at one point, it would just be a cacophony of noise. But it, it, each individual track is highlighted for a few seconds. And uh, well, since we're on the subject of music, I did want to broach the uh, topic of the soundtracks for the movie because I, I said soundtracks. I mean, there's two albums they they release of music for the Fast and Furious because you have the uh, Fast and Furious soundtrack, which is I guess the, the the principal release of the film's music with uh, 18 tracks from such luminaries as we have like Faith Evans, Cadillac Ta, Ashanti, Tank, of course, Ja Rule. Ja, well, I mean, he's in the movie for so, so he, about five minutes. So, yeah, I, I kind of figured, uh, considering his presence, he would kind of show up more, but I guess he got his, he got paid and got out. Funkmaster Flex, Fat Joe. Fat Joe. Limp God, Biscuit, that's a throwback. Shade Cheese. Shade Cheese, excuse me. Petey Pablo. Dope. Dope. So. God, that, that's a new metal deep cut. 
and, and I know at one point they play fucking Limp Biscuit. Yeah, because they, they played Rolling and we both screamed. It's like, what? Of course they would play that fucking song. Because, like, uh, even though a lot of the music is, like, hip-hop, there is, like, some alt metal and new metal in it, too, which is kind of weird, but not... But, but not, not really, because, you know, because new metal does pull a lot from hip-hop. Well, they're, they're very, like... more of an alternative metal. Yeah, I, I mean, they're kind of adjacent to each other because on the second soundtrack uh we had people like uh saliva injected hoobastank oh my god bt primer machine head uh green wheel molotov and there's like a bunch of songs that didn't even make the uh soundtrack like limp biscuits a few like actually quite a few limp biscuit songs my gosh jesus christ but I don't know, like, there were a lot of time. like, I remember this sort of era of movies, they would release a soundtrack, and it would just be sort of, like, songs that would sort of invoke the tone of the movie, or what they thought the tone of the movie is. Like, I, I just remember, I think it was one of the Underworld movies. Had oh, like, fuck. Had, like fucking like evanescence and slipknot and shit on one of the soundtracks and it may not even been played in the movie but it was just sort of i guess to invoke the mood uh speaking of uh, early 2000 movies of doobies quality i want to go back and watch the underworlds i've been wanting to do that for a hot minute <laughs> hell yes let's do but, it but that's the that's uh neither here nor there so uh, we get to like they're, they're at the race and they're getting ready to, to, to throw down and they meet one of their uh, confidants hector Mm-hmm. Who's played night Noel Guglielmi, who has made a career out of playing Southern California gangsters because he has an IND page about a mile long, and they're all more or less he's playing cholo gangster characters. <laughs> I feel bad for him because that's probably about the only thing he can get. You know, thanks Hollywood for being racist. Uh, well, I guess to his credit, like he kind of intentionally has taken on these sort of gangster roles to sort of, I guess, to, okay. to, to, to reconcile his own criminal past and sort of show, like, how to avoid the pitfalls of, like... The, oh, okay, the okay, I, I see what you're so saying. So it's a bit deliberate on his part, and also a good part probably pigeonholing on the Hollywood's part. Yeah, because that happens to a lot of actors of color, unfortunately. And also, a bunch of his characters also happen to be uh, named Hector as well. Yeah, I guess uh, Hispanic gangster names run very thin, I guess. Or there, or maybe he's the same Hector in all these movies. Are, are we talking about a shared universe with all these movies? The Hector universe? Like, like his character is the same as just all the movies he... Like, he's like a dimensional traveler. <laughs> where, where, where he goes where he is needed. God. Across the multiverse. He's like Gilgamesh in Final Fantasy. That's right. <laughs> I, I buy this theory. And uh, also, I, for, I can't for, we we didn't touch on the, the greatest line from that scene. I smell skanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is from uh, Michelle Rodriguez. She is uh, very grunty and very scowly throughout the entire mo- like she may have like only like five lines of dialogue this entire movie for being a principal character yeah because she's dom's girlfriend and like essentially second in command yeah it's it, like the hierarchy of this place is not well defined just yet of this family but their family that's what matters but i i, I guess maybe t- uh, going off uh, the hector character like 
Michelle Rodriguez is kind of have this pigeonhole too, where she's like this very like curt, brusque, masculine woman, where she's just yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I can kick your ass, but also I'm going to make sure, uh, the director's going to make sure that she looks really hot too. Exactly. And, and Jesus fucking Christ, every, and, and it's sad, and I don't mean say this to demean the women in this movie, because it's fucked up. They had this was the expectation for them, but goddamn, they all need a fucking Big Mac. <laughs> they are worryingly thin in this movie. Yes, it's just like it just just in like the nineteen years since this movie has came out, how you, you know sort of beauty standards have changed. Yeah, and if, and, and like I don't know, maybe it depends on the movie. Movies that we're watching, I kind of feel like the fan service isn't as on the nose in movies as much as it was back then. Or maybe we're, you know, we're just not because we're just paying, watching different movies. Yeah, and probably not paying attention to it as much. But yeah, like, yeah, I, I noticed this, like, to use sort of another pretentious film critic phrase, the male gaze, very strong. You, you mean to tell me that those girls making out weren't there just to like elicit dude responses? But you see, Pat, if you take that scene out, you lose so much philosophical meaning. And by philosophical meaning, I mean my hard cock. Yeah, boners. Yes. You take, you take away the boner energy of the movie. But that's okay. You just redirect that boner energy to all these like uh, sweaty, buff dudes just making hard eyes at each other. <laughs> exactly. Hard eyes and hard dicks. So so we, we get to the race, and we have, like, Ja Rule. Uh, it's like, it's like Ja Rule's there. He's just kind of – he's there, and he's going to – and he, he's promised some, uh, some sweet loving if he wins or loses – and then there's also like a, a another guy who's playing PlayStation, and then you have uh, Dom and. <laughs> and, and when Paul. we say he's playing PlayStation, he has a PlayStation in his car. So like, because that was something we were talking about, just like the 1990s, early 2000s, cool. You had like this, all these things that would have just like made any like young person of the day be like, oh, that's badass. Because like one dude's got a PlayStation and like Paul Walker's character's got his laptops and like configurations in his in his car. And he just seems like, none of this is, it's just like MTV Pimp My Ride level of just like. Oh, oh, yeah. Unnecessary accoutrements to a car. But that's what's so great. Cause I don't know why all these car parts are, like, candy-colored and look like Lego pieces, but, like, it's, I guess it's cooler. <laughs> I, I guess, because, like, it... <laughs> Because my dad's into, like, cars and shit, but it's, like, all old shit, and it's all, like, the color brown. So it's, like, ooh, pretty colors, pretty lights. I mean, yeah, because, like, like, Dom's crew, they, they, they all have, like, signature special cars. But, like, actually, like, I've, I found out, like, like each each of the Dom's crew had, like, a special car with a special design on it, which I thought was mm-hmm. neat because it was, like, when I saw the... You know, the gang pull up in their different cars. Like, oh, Power Rangers, because they literally all have a different color. Yeah. And, like, a different design. Cause like, like, I was expecting them to turn into a fucking Megazord at one point. You know, you know, we speak too soon. That might yet happen. Because, like, Dom's has, like, a flying robot with spaceships. Letty, Michelle Rodriguez has a robot knight on a comet. Jesse, the white nerd has a knight on a rocket fence. The, the other guy who just makes has no real presence in the movie. He has a robot shark. Excuse me, Vince is the tank top guy. Leon is, is the nobody guy who has a robot knight <laughs> and a sword. And then Mia, the sister, she has a robot angel. Oh, uh, because of course. Because she's the... the She's the girly girl in the group. Mm-hmm. But she's still cool enough to drive a car bitching fast. Hell yeah. 
And speaking of bitching fast, the, the race, it's taking so long to get to this race because we're just going through every other, just dissecting all of this. God, this this podcast is going to be like fucking two and a half hours long. But, and, and you know, you're welcome because this movie deserves the uh, the, the spelunking and the detail <laughs> to go through. That's one way of putting it, spelunking. What, one bit I thought was great is like, because Brian's losing the race, right? And he's like, uh-oh, I got to hit my nitrous. And like, bitch, his like, like, like Million Falcon hyperspeed and just like the world just like loops in and just like shoots out. <laughs> yeah. Like he broke the space time continuum. <laughs> he went like Mach 8. Like he's, he's about to fly back in time and get hit on by his mom. I think he was going a little faster than 88 miles an hour. <laughs> 888 miles per hour. Goggle fast. And uh, surprise, uh, he ends up using his knots too much and blows up his car, essentially, and yeah. loses the race. And and then, uh, so, you know, he kind of limps back, you know, metaphorically speaking, to the finish line. And, <laughs> and he's like, almost had you, bro. It's like, almost had you. Me? Almost had me, and everybody's just like, "Oh shit, you're a punk, dude." <laughs> yeah, and and it's like 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 everyone acting in the scene like they're on the set of Yo Mama from MTV, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for Wilmer Valderrama to show up. To Madre, yes. We're just hitting all the the high points from the early 2000s and just like questionable taste. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, I mean, this fucking movie caused us to have a fucking brain blast. <laughs> Because that's what it looked like when he when the homeboy hit the nos and just like just shoots through the continuum of reality, <laughs> the brain blast to the past. And then, uh, uh, then wouldn't you know it, the cops show up and they spoil everybody's fun. Yes, and, and then this sparks a prolonged chase sequence. Dom he ends up going into this old abandoned garage thing takes his car away and then you know he's walking down the street you know he's like oh i got away and then the cop notices him goes after him and then who's there to save him but brian but brian annoyed and so uh, he hops in his car and they get the hell out of town they they had lots of begrudging respect moments like yeah you saved me kid but uh this is still my car because you lost yeah, because something we didn't, uh, we failed to mention was when uh, when it came to the time to place bets, you know, most everybody brought, you know, a certain amount of money. But, Fat stacks. Yeah, but uh, Brian b- bought, brought his pink slip, which is, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I just remember that show Pinks. Did oh, you yeah. ever watch that? I didn't. It was this drag racing show where, like, they would put up their pink slips up for to bet, and whoever lost would lose the car. Essentially the car's ownership. Yeah. And so they, they, they get away from the cops, but they, they seem like they find themselves in even more trouble when apparently they enter the turf of the uh, the Asian triad gang. Johnny Tran. Johnny Tran. And uh, turns out Johnny Tran is doesn't like Dom getting in his neighborhood, so uh, he, he roughs him up a bit and shoots up that sweet car. That fucking blows the fuck up. I feel like for the first time I've seen a car blow up that actually makes sense because he had like two honking tanks of NOS and it just like big green fireball. <laughs> exactly. It was, and, and, and like, you know, and right before it blows up, Paul Walker's just like, NOS! Boom. Boom. Which, like, you take a shot for how many times they say NOS in like the first 30 minutes of this movie, you would die. There are quite a few different games you could play during this. Yeah. Like, for as much as the whole family meme is a meme, like, I, 
I was surprised at both of one how little of it is in this movie, and that and the fact that it's in this movie at all. Yeah, it, it's it's very understated for this installment. It definitely it expands as the franchise does because, like, really the only family moment we see is like later on when they ha- they're like eating like barbecue and say grace at a, at a picnic table. Yeah. And that's kind of the extent of it. Because uh, then they go back to, I think it's like Dom's house. They go back to Dom's so they house. They go back to that party. Yeah, because like then Dom's like, hey, I was almost caught by the cops and y'all in here having a, a bitching party. What's up, bro? And, and then, you know, more frustration between Vince and Brian. It's just like. Over Mia. He's just like, it's like, oh, we're, we're definitely displacing our affections for each other on, on this this girl that's in the room. It's like, dude, if, if you don't watch yourself, I'm going to kiss you on the lips. Not before I kiss you first, bro. You going to kiss me right now? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so Don breaks them up again, and, and also I thought it was kind of funny they had like this big, that's this product placement line. You can have any beer in the house as long as it's Corona. But then it's also even funnier when you realize the coronavirus is what postponed the uh, Fast and Furious movie. Oh my God! Fast and the Furious predicted the future about its own franchise. That's right. Psychic Dom. Do 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 do. Oh, it's, it's Dom, but in that moment, he turns into his character from Pitch Black with, like, the, with like the milky eyes. Oh, like fucking Riddick? Yeah. So that, that's a blast from the past. Yeah, we're hitting all the markers today. So the people go up, they, like, they like screw or bang. You know, there's, there's, some, there's some sex can happen. Uh, like, at this point, like, you know, it's kind of Brian, Paul Walker's character, sort of getting in the good graces of Dom and the fam, the family, family, and you know Dom, you know at some point uh, shows him his his dad's car and how he's scared to drive it because his dad fucking died in it or some shit. Yeah, because like he and his dad, were, they were fixing up this like old school black car, and then uh, he went driving and he crashed and he burned alive in the car. It was just like crazy, brutal the, as shit. And, and it's even scary when you when you realize that's how Paul Walker died. Mm. Once again, like Fast and Furious having this weirdly prophetic moment. But yeah, instead of a meme, this is sad. But it's just sort of funny how he treats this black car as like this caged animal that lives in his in his uh, garage. Like it's just like this. Oh, it's like no, no one's crazy enough to drive this car. Not even me. Yeah, Vin Diesel, like Dom, he's kind of restrained for most of the movie. Until he unleashes his rage and he drives the black car. Black car. It's, it's like this dangerous, forbidden, like skill, and then like it's a metaphor for his inner rage. It just means death because it's dangerous and deadly, and it killed his father. Although uh, we, we were joking that it would be, however long the series goes, they they say there's going to be ten movies. We'll see. But how amazing would it be if um, the final villain in the final movie? Is is spoiler or plot twist? Dom's dad he thought died in the before the series began. Yo, that would be such a fucking awesome ass pull. Because like the way Dom's dad dies is like very similar to Speed Racer. Hell, uh, his, the main character's brother dies in a fiery car crash and resurfaces years later, and it's like it's just mysterious man Racer X and like Final Fan- like Final Fantasy, goddamn. 
uh, Fast and Furious 10, 10X, Racer X, Dad X. You, you seem like Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny right now. <laughs> Just like I'm putting all the post-it notes together. It's all connected, I swear. Yeah, hire me, Hollywood. I, I got Final Fantasy. God damn, they keep saying <laughs> Final Fantasy 10. <laughs> My brain is broken because I keep replacing franchises with big numbers with Final Fantasy. God, you, you've been doing this for like the past like three weeks. <laughs> I don't know. My brain is severely broken. Pat, you need to sleep. With what time? So, uh, but it, now. <laughs> so so we, uh, we we learned about Dom's tragic past, and but then we also learned a little something about uh, Brian because this is when we finally get to the point where Brian's a secret cop because he gets uh, pulled over and arrested by these two cops on the side of the road and he's really just taking him to this like swanky ass mansion that the the uh, the, uh, the California PD is just uh just shacking up and yeah it was it, it's like that stereotypical like Hollywood house you would see like the the director's house you know something like that like, like there's a pool in the foyer and there's like a bridge over the pool cuz like apparently it was a house that uh, one of Elizabeth Taylor's husband or gentleman callers had dealt for her. Yeah, it was such a weird detail to drop, but I guess it's world building. It's so like we, we got Brian's like, okay, I'm on the case, I'm working on it. Give me more time, and also give me another car because mine kind of blew up. And so he then brings that car back to where they can work on it because even though the car is destroyed, he still owes Dom. What he calls a 10 second car. Because apparently they just have all the money. Because it's like, we, we dropped 15 grand in this car in like three days. I don't know. I, I, I guess those fucking DVD players just cost fucking fortune back in 2001. They, they can be flipped for a fortune. This is just swanky new technology. DVDs are like a, a thinner record, but it has movies on it. DVDs. It's like a laser disc, but n- small. You can put it in your pants. But we don't advise it. Or maybe we do. As your life, you, you put whatever you want in your pants as long as it's consensual. Yes. Ask for consent for the DVD first. That's right. And Because uh, speaking of sexy times, during, during the montage of building a car, uh, Dom and Lady just start banging. Yeah. And, and I mean, he just grabs uh, two fistfuls of ass and just fucking launches her up on the car to... Go to Pound Town. Because everybody knows the most erotic thing in the world is working in a 100-degree garage building a car. God, can you just imagine the stank? (laughs) (laughs) One thing I thought was weirdly interesting about the movie is that you have the white nerdy character named uh, Jesse who has like a smaller arc in the movie and he has like this bonding moment with Brian while they're making the car and apparently they actually you know while you can say Fast and Furious may not have a lot of substance apparently they did a little bit of research when it comes to this particular moment because apparently Jesse has ADHD and he dropped out of school and they, they, they played his ADHD like fairly realistic in that a lot of people who have ADD and ADHD, they have a singular pointed focus that, that allows them to retain a focus. So they just like hyper consume a lot of like information on one particular subject. And that was something they put through with Jesse's character, interesting though, because he's like the tech guy because he figured out he knows all the, the bells and whistles and pipes and tubes. And he has a, a bitchin' floppy disk with like a car. Oh my. 
software on it. God, I was at that generation, the the youngest possible generation to know what a fucking floppy disk was. Because I remember in like seventh grade, we had to use them for a fucking computer class. And then that, we never saw them again. And now, now it's just the, uh, the print, or excuse me, the save icon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because uh, like like you said, there was a sort of uh, tender moment with Brian and Jesse because Brian, you know, Jesse's showing Brian like all this stuff, and he's like, "Dude," it was like, "Holy shit, you could have went to like fucking MIT with all this knowledge." And and you know, Jesse was like, "Oh, I have this thing called ADD," and and, and it felt, you know, you know, because a lot of times when someone brings up some sort of like you know mental health issue, it's usually some shoehorned in but it felt very natural to his character yeah and it didn't really they didn't really play it off as like oh he has this non he has this neurodivergent uh aspect of part of himself that means he's like weird and quirky or like this like super mega genius which i mean he's like super smart about this one thing but it doesn't make it seem like he's this you know mental god so like he's i feel like it's as sort of not as sort of a small character he is in the movie, it, like this felt you know kind of genuine and I think well made of a neurodivergent person. Yeah, and, and as much as we want to make fun of the whole family aspect of this movie, uh, while it didn't really go into it much, it def I definitely got the sense that a lot of these the characters that sort of gravitate towards Dom are are these just sort of people that society has failed yeah and usually in and this is something that's not new not even new for the time but how humanizing it is to these people i mean i mean partially they're the protagonists but you know even even when brian is trying to you know bust them there's still this sort of implicit understanding of where these people are coming from and it's while it's out of like a genuine interest you know because they're you know out of this thing they like which is illegal street racing you know it's because you know they're they're on the fringes of society so they come together and they become a family a family like you said as sort of silly and overbearing as that theme may mean i feel like that the there's there is a sincerity to it in which you know which makes it very fun but it never crosses the line into just like syrupy and saccharine either it, it is that just right amount of sentimental yeah oh i guess maybe the syrup comes in later but for right now it feels at an appropriate level we'll see as we go along but during the whole montage of car building paul walker brian's character is now working more closely with his special forces and and his uh california pd because they start hammering down on the asian triad group johnny tran and his gang how like they're definitely more involved in the illicit parts of of the thievery and has like the uh the more overtly illegal stuff. yeah there's a swat break in to the Hollywood Hills and uh, start roughing up uh, Johnny Tran and his gang, and as you know that you know they're obviously the more straightforward bad guys, but it's still kind of uncomfy in moments to see uh, some of the. I guess the, uh, the the strong arm police ways even against like you know quote the bad guys. Yeah. It- yeah, especially because there, there is one point where a police officer does put a knee on someone's neck, and then you know, with recent events, 
you know, in 2020. The, it, it makes it, that age even more uncomfortable because there's a lot of stuff that ages, like, doesn't age well just because, like, aesthetic reasons or just, like, the progression of time. But this feels even more uncomfortable than it, it probably was back then just in light of recent events. So just, like, it, it, for, like, a split second, it's like, oh, wow, this feels... It, it's such a... I don't know, trite word to say uncomfortable, which is like for that split second, it's like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that, that thing, like things like that were definitely not of the conversation of the time. But like also, too, in, in the movie's def- lighthearted defense, like it, it, the police are kind of the antagonist of this movie. Or they're they're antagonists and on on one on one on a certain point of view. Well, yeah, like on the level that they are like literally opposed to you know Dom's crew, and then eventually Brian as he betrays them to help out the family. The family, but then but then they feel like his his sort of working with with the police as a betrayal to the family. Yeah, but just. On a, I guess like a different un- uncomfortable level is uh this is all building towards a big <laughs> race in the desert and they call and, and you know there's probably a lot of things you can call this just giant meeting of car enthusiasts to have a quasi legal appreciation of cars and racing in the desert but they say with, with like no irony no no self awareness so many times that this event is called race wars. <laughs> Like, you can just feel fucking Charles Manson rolling in his grave right now. Because, like, it's like, I was like, how did this get cleared with no oversight? Did they really just think, oh, it's a war between race cars and did not think of any other implications of what that could mean? I, I guess not. Uh, it's like, literally, when Brian shows up to the event, like, the security guy's like, hey, welcome to Race Wars. It just gives him a ticket and a number. It's just like, ah, what the fuck is this? And then on top of that when we finally get to race wars which i have to say if i have one criticism of this movie <laughs> just one this is the only one yes yeah, so this is only like a major criticism i wanted to see more of race wars <laughs> i had a hard time saying that with a straight face but like every like the two races we see in race wars are from people of like different ethnicities and races because like literally one race is between like a Hispanic woman and a black man and then the other was between an Asian man and a white man so like it like uh, like it actually literally is what it is and it's like Jesus Christ this is just so fucking bonkers and they obviously they didn't intend this. It's just oh, like no. they they thought with one hundred percent seriousness that it's perfectly okay to cause a call a, a, a organization an event about racing cars race wars, which is just like <sighs> Jesus Christ. God, like I could imagine an alternate universe where that was the name of the franchise. Well, let's let's broach that topic for a moment. In my research, I found three um, alternate titles for the movie. Um, firstly, was uh, Racer X, which you know, obviously, Speed Racer character, but also uh, the director Rob Cohen. He was inspired to make the film from a um, a 1998 Vibe magazine article called Racer X. Which like highlighted like street racing in New York City and Los Angeles, so that was a working title. There's also Redline, which is which is also uh, the name of a 2010 anime movie about uh, fantastical high octane racing. Which uh, it's definitely worth your time. It is balls to the wall. It's made by Madhouse, so you know if you know anything about anime, you know that's a top tier animation studio. Mm-hmm. And lastly, one of the titles that was in 
thought for the movie literally was Race Wars. Bruh. So, Bruh. And another reality, the Fast and Furious franchise could have been called the Race War franchise. Bruh. <laughs> just, just imagine that's the only thing that's changed about our reality. And and, and we're in like 2020. Hopefully we would, ha- we would have had this conversation before now. But it comes to 2020... And we're having to grapple with the ethics of the race wars franchise. God, I, it's God. Reality is so fucking weird, man. Because that literally, they could have made ten of these goddamn things, call it race wars, and and only just now, twenty years later, realize, oh, maybe we should reconsider. <laughs> Jesus Christ, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still kind of reeling from the fact that they almost named this fucking movie Race Wars. God fucking damn it! Oh man, we the, the, the just by the skin of their teeth, huh? Yeah. So, but back to the uh, war of the race cars. We have uh, Johnny Tran who's back and he's pissed at Dom because, like, oh, the cops are are on my ass and. You're in my turf, and also you low-key banged my sister. Still mad about that. So I'm going to race your boy, just a little nerdy, this nerdy shrimp guy. Uh, but, but, of course, nerdy, uh, he pulls the same mistake that Brian did and puts his own car on the line and, and uh, gets the super race king uh, Johnny Tran. So they, when they hit the, hit the road, of course, yes, he loses because he burns all his nitrous too fast. Yeah, and then on top of that, too, it, it's a car that had sentimental value because I think they said it was his dad's car or something like that. Yeah, because I, I want to say his dad, like, either uh, he had a falling out with his dad or, like, you know, there's, there's trouble there in Jesse's family. So uh, he loses, and he decides just to get the hell out of Dodge, and it turns out that's a bit of an uh-oh. Yeah, he, he, just, he was just, like, drives the fuck off, drives away from race wars. <laughs> he, he, got, he got out of the race war, and then, like... Uh, Johnny Tran's gang's like, uh oh, you owe us a car. It's time to, to uh, rough up some shit. And then um, they start they start throwing down in the parking lot. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez just decks uh, Johnny Tran's like number one in the head and just knocks him out cold. Yeah. And, and then Johnny Tran and uh, Dom, they get into it. And, and sort of a detail we uh, forgot to mention early on in the movie because Brian Sargent, he can sense that Brian is, you know, becoming more and more sympathetic to Dom's gang. So, you know, he keeps emphasizing, he's like, yeah, you know, that Dom guy, he nearly beat a guy to death. That's why he was in jail. But it turns out Dom is remorseful of the, of the guy he nearly disfigured by beating to death because he, he went to jail for a couple years and he deeply regrets it. But also he's determined to never go back to jail yeah, he says something to the effect of, like, I'll die before I go back or something like that. And so, like, you had you had this tension of Johnny Trans, he's out for blood, and, you know, they, they all, they're all they trying to get Jesse back, so they're trying to figure out what to do next. As, like, the escalation between uh, the trucker gang, which is just, like, accumulating power and rage, <laughs> ready to boil over and set their Straits of America on fire, which is, like, that that's something they keep coming back to, it's, like, how fucking powerful are the truckers in America? Is there something that we don't know? Is there something the movie was trying to tell us? Apparently, I guess. I mean, I guess we don't want to have, you know, these piss-filled Molotov cocktails going off. God. I remember, I, uh, sidebar, just, just speaking of piss jugs, I would I was uh, on the road 
one day for a job, and I saw what was literally the biggest piss jug I've ever seen. Oh, God damn. Do you, do you know the bottles that, like, uh, wiper fluid comes in? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the big, like, two-gallon jugs? Y- yeah. It, it was that, but it was filled with piss on the side of the road. Jesus fucking Christ. You know that dude had been saving up for a while. <laughs> and he just yeeted that bitch out. Because uh, then, at this point, I think uh, this is when Dom and the rest of the crew decide to go on the trucker heist and go to the basically the climactic uh chase sequence of the movie and i'm gonna admit something right now and uh, i feel like i'm in a safe place and i would uh assume that jonathan would have the same amount of respect that he'd have for me now as i as he will after i admit this but um i didn't catch the fact that dom's gang was the same gang that raided the car at the start of the movie. Don't feel bad, because I didn't either. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the Johnny Tran gang. Yeah, like, but then they pull, and then Michelle Rodriguez just pulls out a fucking grapple gun like the gang has at the start of the movie. And it was like, oh, they have the same gun as that other gang. Oh, oh, okay. And then, like, Letty does her little move where she drives underneath the car, just like, zoop. Oh, and they, they do that about three more times. Because, like, uh, that, I feel like that was probably the big, like, whoa moment. I mean, that's still a pretty impressive moment to drive underneath a, a moving truck. But I guess, like, that's her signature move. Because the whole time I kept thinking this movie, because everybody has a moment in the movie with, like, with the car, with their nitrous. Like, nitrous is, like, the, the jutsu of this movie. Or, or like, that's a special bar. And that's the signature move. Everybody, like, a fighting game, the nitrous is a special bar. And then they hit, like, hit the button. Then they hit the special move. and it just, But then also... Um, Apparently, they can't let Letty be too cool because the second she swipes underneath, she just has a catastrophic car crash. Yeah, just kaboom. Just, like, blows the car up and then, like, uh, the guy that uh, nobody remembers, Leon, is like, oh, I have something to do. So he goes to pull her out of the, the, the smoldering heap that she was in. Yeah, but she kind of just crawls out of it herself because she's a badass. She's badass. But uh, she can't be too badass or too competent because then the uh, the main character dudes won't have anything to do themselves. Exactly. So at, at this point, you, you know, Brian, you know, he asked Mia because Mia doesn't go with him. It's like, and, and at this point, they shacking up, of course. So, yeah, they, they bang in his, uh, <laughs> his fucking cot in the back of this fucking store. <laughs> Uh, it, it, uh, so he 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 let he lets he drops the bomb bomb on her. It's like, oh, I'm a fucking cop. I narked. Because uh, that was one of the things with uh, when that big tussle broke out and what set Dom off was because Johnny Tran was like, what if you guys narked? And he's, he's like, no, we didn't. We're family. It's like, yeah, we're a bunch of low lies, but we, we know not to go tattling on each other. Yeah. Because so, we're, we're criminals with a code of honor. So after some convincing, he go he goes, she goes with him to try to find them because he's like, they gonna fuck up. You, you know, it's like, I gotta get him out of this. And apparently they're driving like across country because there's just like a, a giant berth of land between the two and he's gotta get there. But he's hauling ass in his swanky ass car. So you have Letty, uh, Leon, uh, Vince, and Dom trying to pull off this heist, but... um. Vince is in a bit of hot water because he tried to hop on the on the truck and he gets tangled up in his grappling line and starts like cutting to his arm. And because then, the fucking trucker has like goddamn sawed off. Yeah, he has like this double barrel shotgun and he's just like blowing holes in every end of the door. And then, then, then uh, Vince gets he, he catches one in the side and then uh, 
the the trucker he blows off one of Dom's tires, or so he's like he's just he's limping along trying to keep up. But who would you know that shows up at the last second? But Brian. Brian. He's here to save the day, so he he hops out of his car, hops on top of Dom's, and then uh, manages to free Vince before the last shell goes through somebody's brains. They all hop in uh, Dom's car and they drive off the road, and they leave, and they leave the trucker to go about his business. Yeah, and then um, Vince is you know he, he's badly wounded, and in order to you know, and of course you know Brian's like he'll die in ten minutes, so you know he he calls you know for police backup to sort of get a. Uh, ambulance helicopter to get him, you know, out of here. And this was like, without irony, one of the one of the more subtle acting choices from Vin Diesel because you like you can tell he's just like seething with rage underneath because he's like, I started a fucking riot because you know I I thought none of us were narking, but you know, and, and but like he, he, you can tell he's like trying to hold it together, but he's, he's trying to keep his you know vents like calm as he's bleeding out but at the same time he just he's just giving this death glare to Brian and like you said it's like very effective moment yeah and like you know say what you will about Vin Diesel's acting but I feel like in that moment that was a very credible check in his corner so they uh, have like the world's speediest med back and they haul uh, Vince up to get stitched up and then they all go back to the crib and uh but guess what dom's still mad yeah and, and they have this kind of like little spat at the at the front of the family home and then jesse finally shows up and he's, he's pointing the case like i'm sorry dom i i messed up i i, I, was just, I just freaked out and like dom's kind of like pulled in these different directions he's like he's because he's like he's a, he knows he's a wanted criminal now even more so than usual he's pissed off at uh at Brian for breaking his trust, and then like everything happening at once. But and who would you know that shows up at the worst possible moment? Fucking Johnny Tran with a goddamn Uzi, and they just light this fucking house up, just straight up fucking drive by. And, and, and for his amount of bullets as he wastes, he only like tags Jesse once. <laughs> like literally, there's like a hail of bullets. It's just- like. And I guess that's kind of, you know, spray and pray. It's kind of the name of the game. But then, like, Jesse gets tagged and he, you know, he, he dies on the street, man. R.I.P. Jesse. Yeah. And then, and I say, like, the, the scene with the truck was the sort of climactic chase sequence. But really, it's the penultimate chase sequence. And this is sort of the final stretch of the movie, which... When it got to this point, I was like, it was like, wow, this movie's almost over. It doesn't feel like, like, just sort of how, like, the traditional pacing of a movie goes. You know how it, you can sort of feel when a movie is getting to certain points. Like, act one, act two, the midpoint, climax. So this is like act three A, and this is like act three B. Yeah, and then, so, there's like this brief moment where Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel, they, you know, they cry over Jesse's... Or, uh, not, it was uh, Mia, his sister. Oh, Mia, yeah. They cry over Jesse's dead body, but then they have no time because Brian and, and Dom, they go after Johnny Tran's gang. And so, they're chasing them around the town, you know, they're doing like some Dukes of Hazard shits, hopping off hills, driving down hills, and then uh, Brian runs uh, number two off the road and just this big ditch, and then... Uh, they, they catch it to Johnny Tran and uh, they, they run him off the road and, and uh, Brian, he caps him, right? I think so. Because like, he knocks him off his bike and he sort of slides into a wall, but I, but I can't remember if I'm... Well, anyway, Johnny Tran's out. He's dead. He's out of the picture. Yeah. Where is he? Oh, no! Because, uh, uh, spoiler, because I don't know if death is... 
very substantive in this series. Yeah, because I, I I know there there's one character that supposedly dies, but then comes back later in the series. So um, we'll, we'll see we'll see who is is sticking around beyond the veil as the series goes on. But mm-hmm. they, they you know they 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 they're clear of the death of Johnny Tran and it's clear his threat. But you know they still have one last thing to settle, I guess, the race between the two. Yeah, because I almost had you, bro. And, and, and this this leads to the most iconic shot of this movie, and the the shot of this movie that has always stuck in my mind, even though I couldn't remember, couldn't tell you what the fucking plot of this movie was until yesterday. So Dom and Brian, they they fucking you know, drag race across this long stretch and get to this train track while the train's coming. So they, they, you know, they, they boost and it's the last possible second and they bust through the, the drop down gate in front of the train tracks in this sort of like badass moment. And apparently, um, I don't know if it came through in the movie, but it seems, at least maybe in the script, that um, Dom was kind of planning to end his life in that moment. I didn't really get that from the movie. I I think that was probably just something they put that was in the script that they decided to not go with. Because if that was the intention, they they failed on that regard. Which, uh, and something we also forgot to mention was that Dom is now in the black car, his dad's car. It's the only car that had left and he had to overcome his fear he could use this badass souped up death mobile to uh to, to catch up and avenge the death of his friend who he promptly forgets 10 minutes after the fact exactly and, and then you know he's looking over at brian they you know they have this like begrudging respect moment and then swerve fucking dom just has the most fucking over the top car crash in any movie I've seen. It's just like, they have like, you know, their bedroom eyes across the car seats from each other. Yeah. And then Brian's like, whoa, look out, Dom. And then he does like eight flips, 100 feet in the air and lands, crash down the car. And then Dom's kind of just like, well, shit, man, that was scary. (laughs) Yeah. And and like, for the amount of like, fucking carnage that car goes through, it's not that banged up, really. (laughs) Relatively. (laughs) Really, like the like the, the one front end's all banged up, but the rest of it's pretty solid. I mean, it literally lands upright. Yeah, even though like the fucking tires kind of do this like splute motion, but um, it's not like the Aston Martin and the uh, the first James Bond remake. <laughs> they, 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 I guess they wanted to save the integrity of the car a little bit. I guess so. So then, and, and you know, Dom gets out of the car, and I guess he's just so badass. His ar- only his arm is hurt. He's like, "Whoa!" So uh, then the police sirens go off. So you know, they lock eyes from across the room. Dom takes Brian's car, and then Brian goes to, I guess, tell the cops he got away. You know, just to save Dom's ass. Yeah, as he drives off. Credits. Credit. Uh, I, I I will say apparently there is there is a an extended ending for the movie. Really. Uh, with the t- with the title more than furious. Oh no. Whereas um it it, it like there's the additional scene is that um Brian Sargent drops uh drops him off at the Toretto home and um you see Mia she's packing things up because you know guess what the whole family's out of its criminals now so they all gotta scatter. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and so, like, Mia has, like, this, and Brian have, like, this sort of, like, tense moment. Obviously, they recognize each other's feelings, but at the same time, it's like, you you lied to us, and uh, also, I got to restart my life. So, ba- but basically, Brian, he said he, he, he's quit the cops, and he's like, you know, maybe we can try this again, and they sort of have, like, a, a moment together, and that's how it, that movie ends in, this, in the extended cut. Okay, because I was sort of looking into it, and apparently a lot of the later installments have extended editions. Yeah, there's, there's definitely um, additional footage for some of the movies, too. So, and, and then the movie ends with sort of the, the sort of bass soundtrack that's been going out through the movie. It, that, that It's this sort of, like, stock, early 2000s. Just like this like this driving techno beat, but also... But it's just like the lead single from the movie soundtrack, the Ja Rule song. Exactly. Put it on me. Put it on me. Because we were also talking, like, what if there was an alternate universe where instead of Ludacris, we got Ja Rule for the rest of the series? Hey, I guess <laughs> Ja Rule wouldn't be doing commercials right now. Uh just like some, some, like I said, some things I found out in the make, and just like in the making of it, like um, I, I found out that Michelle Rodriguez, who played Letty, and Jordana Brewster, who played Mia, did apparently um, neither of them knew how to drive before this. Before before this movie. Oh, like, legitimately, like, didn't have a license? They did or? not have a license. So, um, so they were cast, but they had exactly one chance to get their license before filming started. If they didn't, they, they'd be recast. Oh, wow. So they had to learn right then and get it right. So, which, which is funny, because a movie about driving and neither of them had a license. <laughs> that, that, that's weird. And also, apparently, um, one of the people, uh, in the world of what could have been, apparently, um, Dom's character was was originally going to be played by Timothy Oliphant. He he was one of the people who was going to be originally cast for the movie for that role. Okay. He was in a Justified. He was in a Deadwood. It, like he was in Hollywood Land. Oh, excuse me. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh what? Uh, you know? Did you know this modern cowboy in like a lot of westerns? Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. But it's okay. Just have. Just from like looks, I don't know. I don't. I haven't really seen much of what this guy's been in, so he may have been a good act. You know, he he's probably a great actor, but yeah, he, he's great and justified. But you just have Timothy Oliphant from Hitman and and just swap him out with Ben Diesel. And apparently, some of the other like uh, what could have been like a like for Brian's character, Paul Walker's character. Uh, there's there's a world where um, Christian Bale could have been this character. Oh wow! Mark Wahlberg could have been this character. I could see both of those. I'm honestly surprised Mark Wahlberg hasn't been in this movie yet. I, I know, right? Like This seems very much his alley. But also, I don't know, Mark Wahlberg seems a little bit too cynical. He's, he, like, he seems a little... He seems like he's, so, he's someone who he takes himself a little too seriously. I mean... I, I, I could see that. But this bitch also was in the fucking happening. He he probably took that very seriously, too. No. No. Also, Eminem could have been in this movie. Wow. I mean, mean, honestly, I'm surprised he's not, because 2001, you know, that was peak Eminem. Yeah, he just just had to grow his hair out a little bit and have that um, crunchy ramen haircut. Exactly. Just have the... Uh, J- Justin Timberlake swap in for for for, for Brian's roles. So I, I think uh, that's kind of the heads and tails of the movie. We we gone through the plot. We had our our tangents of family. <coughs> family we had we, we talked about probably given this movie a lot of introspection that it may not have ever been given before uh, exactly I, I, I don't know the, this movie the series does have a fairly large fan base but something that we kind of serendipitous 
serendipitously stumbled across there is an end credit scene yeah because i i didn't know that there was a uh there was a stinger in this movie and it cuts to um dom somewhere like central south america it, it, it was it was in mexico yeah he's into uh, he's in a mexican beach town and he's just hauling down the road uh wanted man but you know he's still living his life a quarter mile at a time oh yes so, <clears throat> so so that's where he so he's made it to the border like, like he promised letty in the dream no one day we'll, we'll get to Mexico. We'll have ourselves a time. And uh, he's there for a different reason, though. He's hiding out, waiting for when his uh, talent will be needed next. Yes, and I guess we won't find out until, what, about three more months? Well, because uh, well, I, I, I don't think he's in two. Uh, so we we got, we gone through the gamut of the Fast and Furious. The first stripe on the tiger's back so, so there's still plenty more to be had because we still have to go the entire franchise and just, just in the, the research of these movies i found even more stuff we can cover on the, along the way so stay tuned for even more content within this fun news sub-series oh fuck yeah any final thoughts for fast and furious the fast and the furious not to be confused with fast and furious yeah which is a different movie later on in the franchise yes but as for the movie itself um, there's a lot in this movie that doesn't age well and it doesn't hold up and just stuff that just has like a lot of, man, they didn't think about this at all, but goddamn if it isn't just a fun ass movie. It, exactly. Uh, I, I had a fucking blast with this movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very anxious to see where the series goes from here. And honestly, probably just going to go ahead and watch the rest of them. Because like this is to me, it's, it's uh, not that I really subscribe to, to the idea of guilty pleasure. Cause if you enjoy something, you don't you, need to feel, feel guilty about it. Exactly. But it's something that's just like, it's just fun and it's silly. And that's something that I'm very, much about just enjoying and embracing the the absurdity of things yeah. and i feel like you know it helps not to take things as as seriously you know it allows you to have more of a good time when you just sort of remove that sort of rigidity yeah and, and like this is definitely not going to be for everybody like if someone says oh i fucking hate these movies i'm not going to <laughs> I, i'm not going to fault them for it so, but but like you, you know just this is the type of like absurdity i'm here for and, and and something I wasn't expecting to be here for. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very interested to see uh, where, where the franchise goes and just sort of like a, a direction. To actually, there's there's a lot of habit seen and just to see how it ramps up, how it escalates in real time, yeah. and also just for like what we get into over the course of this sub series because I feel like it's going to be a fun year because like we said, we plan to release one Fast and Furious file a month leading up to the release of the Fast and Furious 9 next April. So uh, we hope you join us for that. We, uh, this will be a, this will be a very fun ride, and we, uh, we really appreciate you listening today and hope you listen in the future and for the rest of our episodes as they come out. So once again, thank you all for listening today. You can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and any RSS feed catcher. We're out there. Just be sure to like rate review and subscribe on all those platforms it really helps us out spreads the show around and just puts it in front of more people and that really helps us out and we appreciate that and uh follow us on twitter and instagram at ayc's podcast follow us on letterbox and facebook at all you can hear follow us on twitch at 
twitch.tv slash all you can hear and on YouTube at all you can hear. And follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Lost His Name. Follow my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. You can follow me, Jonathan, on Letterboxd, John Odinson 12, where you can sort of see my opinions on these movies in real time as I slowly go through these. And you can follow me on Twitter at J O N I I B O I 24. Uh, thank you all. Take care, and we'll be talking to you real soon. Gotta go fast. Family. Family.